Masechet Nedarim Daf Lamed Vav. We're discussing this Mishnah here that someone can uh, take Tirumah on behalf of his friend with his knowledge, even if one made a vow and the person taking the Tirumah, let's call him A, can do that on behalf of B, who owns the the uh, the grain. Um, he can do that even though um, A is not permitted to give any benefit to B. Nevertheless, he can do this. He's not is not called is not considered giving benefit to him. And also, if B, if uh, if the, someone is a kohen. And the Kohen has a vow that he cannot give benefit to the um, to any to, to the guy bringing a sacrifice. Nevertheless, if that guy brings uh, these birds of uh, if his uh, for if he's a zav or a zava or yoledet or chatat and ashamot of certain types, nevertheless, the Kohen can uh, take those animals and uh, do the service of the of the korban for on, on behalf of that guy. And uh, we concluded, well, actually, we didn't conclude here in this, uh, in this Gemara, but elsewhere it does conclude that the Kohanim work for Shamaim. And therefore, even though the Kohen cannot give any benefit to the guy bringing the sacrifice, it's still his job. And so that's why he can do it. All right, we're going to continue now with some points that are related to uh, people uh, giving a sacrifice on behalf of someone else. And uh, what kind of cases those that, that would be allowed to do? Uh, we mentioned on the end of the previous stuff that uh, this the statement of the Biuda is going to be relevant now. Who says Adam evi korban ashir al ishto bechol korbanot shechayevet that if a person is bringing a wife uh, uh, bringing a sacrifice on behalf of his wife, uh, let's say she's yoled that she gave birth, he and he's rich even though she's not. They bring the animal for that uh, a rich person brings and not. Uh, not the bird that a poor person brings. So it goes by him. And the Biuda ended off with this Baraita that other korbanot also. So we're going to discuss other korbanot and in general, uh, one person bringing a korban on behalf of someone else. Is that when is that allowed? When is it not? So here we go. Gufa, we're going back to the statement of Rabbi Yochanan, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Hakol Serichin Da'at. Rabbi Yochanan's rule was that anyone who is bringing a korban, there has to be knowledge of the person bringing it, that he knows that he's bringing this korban for whatever, if, he, if it's chatat, he has to know that he's bringing this chatat offering, except for the category of korbanot that are called mechusar kapara. That means if someone knows like a zav or zava, in order for them to get completely purified to the point that they could eat Kodashim, they have to bring the, the sac- these sacrifices, Nazir, uh, also Yoledet. And so in these cases, it's permitted because the, um, someone can bring this type of Korban for his sons and daughters who are minors. And a minor does not have that. And so since it's permissible for a father to bring this for his kids, we can generalize from that that in any case, someone can bring um, this type of korban on behalf of someone else uh, if it's for mechusar kapara, because this type of sacrifice does not need the knowledge of the one bringing it. All right. Now, since Rabbi Yochanan made a gen- this kind of generalization from a family member to others, we're going to try out a couple of other similar generalizations to see if they work. So Elamata, based on this logic of generalization, Yavi Adam Hatat Khelev Al Havero, Sheken Adam Mevi Al Ishto Shota Kerebi Yehuda. 
based on this, we should say that a person can bring a hatat for chelib. If someone eats chelib, forbidden fat, they have to bring a hatat. Uh, what if I saw you eat chelib and I'm going to bring a hatat on your behalf? I don't know, you're too lazy or you're, you, you don't have a chance to do it. Can I bring it on your behalf? It should be allowed because after all, a person can bring a korban for his wife um, uh, this type, uh, this type of korban hatat, for his wife, who is a shota, who is uh, not mentally competent, and we know that from Rabbi Uda. That's Rabbi Uda that we I, I started with um, up uh, earlier. That says a man can bring for his wife a korban for yoledet and also uh, other korbanot if she's shota. Uh, if she is uh, mentally incapacitated. And so since we're assuming that that means even a korban hatat, and if a person can bring that for his wife, then perhaps that means that anyone can get, bring it for anyone else. Uh, that's what that would seem the logical uh, uh, generalization. And if you can make that generalization, how come we can't make, the, make this generalization? But the problem is we know this is not true. Rabbi Al-Azhar says, if I try to bring a korban hatat for you who ate chalib by mistake, that it does nothing. It does not accomplish anything. So, but, so it's not allowed. So that's the question. How come? How come we can't make this generalization? And our answer is going to be, actually, this uh, thing that you're learning from is not true. If a woman is, uh, is shota, mentally incapacitated, then she would not actually bring a korban, a uh, hatat, as follows. Ishto shota hechidami. What kind of case? When exactly would, was she incapacitated? If she ate the chalev while she was incapacitated, she doesn't have to bring any korban. Uh, someone who does not have knowledge does not have to bring atonement at all. Um, it's only for someone that makes a mistake. I see a mistake is not a completely net lack of complete lack of knowledge. It means so you were negligent. You didn't label the package correctly to say to indicate that this is chalev or this is kosher. Um, but in that case, she would not. She wouldn't have to even bring a korban. So it can't be that she ate it while she was a shota. Or maybe she ate it when she was totally uh, sane, and then she uh, she ate it when she lost her mind. Uh, she ate it when she had a sane, and then she became insane later. In that case, she also would not have to bring a korban, because we have the statement in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, that if a person, anyone, eats chalev, and he separated korban, oh, I eat chalev, here's going to be my korban hatat. And then that person went, went insane, um, even if he got better afterwards, that korban is not, is pasul because since it's disqualified, it's once it's disqualified, it's forever disqualified. Even though you might say, oh, when he became sane again, now he needs his korban again, but we don't say that. Instead, we say once it's disqualified, forever disqualified. So even in this case where he ate or, or she ate uh, while she was sane. Uh, but she became insane later, even in that case, she would not bring this korban. This korban would be disqualified. So you see that there is no case where a man would bring a korban khatat for his wife, who's shota. And so therefore, that law was not true to begin with. And therefore, the generalization also is not true. A person cannot bring a korban khatat for anyone else. Um, this is not 
within the category of mechusar kapara. Mechusar kapara, again, does not mean that it's for atonement. Korban chatat is for atonement. Mechusar kapara literally, technically means that it will achieve the person's 100% purity if they were, if they were tameh. It's for these these certain types of uh, um, people so that they can then uh, eat, eat korbanot. Okay, so it can only be done for that, for that kind of person without their dat, and the korban chatat cannot be brought for anybody else. All right, now we're going to try another generalization, right? Remember Rabbi Yochanan, he made, he made a generalization from, uh, from children to others. So maybe we could do the same thing. Um, in the general rule for Korban Pesach is um, that you have to either bring your own Korban Pesach or you have to join in with the group and you have to register and uh, uh, say, tell, tell some, someone has a Korban, uh, a, a lamb that they designated could be Korban Pesach and I have to go and tell them, listen, I want to be with you. When you bring it, right, have me in mind, I'm joining your group and then you have to eat that from that Korban Pesach with that person, with that group. That is the law. Um, now, how come, now, how about if I bring a Korban Pesach for my friend, he didn't, he didn't sign up. Can I do that? Can I sign him up without him knowing? Um, it would seem yes, because we know there's a rule that a father can bring a Korban Pesach on behalf of his sons and daughters who are minors, and they don't have to do anything. They don't even have that. Uh, so they don't have to sign up. They don't have to tell him. He can do it on their behalf. So can we derive from there that if a man, if someone can do it for his children on their behalf, maybe anyone can do it on someone else's behalf, even without their knowledge. But we know that generally this is not true because If I take a Korban Pesach, I said, listen, I'm going to make this Korban Pesach, I'm going to do it for me, and I'm going to do it for my friends, A, B, and C, um, and they didn't ask me to do it, that's nothing. Uh, so how come we don't make this generalization? And the answer is, Amar Avot The Bizara says, in fact, this pasuk that says, say you have to have a lamb for each of the each father's house, the lamb for a household. This is not a deodaita law. In other words, that um, a man who does not actually have to designate a korban pesach for his children on the doraita level. We have a custom to do it, and um, it's based on this, loosely based on this pasuk. Say lebet avot for my family. I'm gonna include them and say, okay, this is all for, this is for you. But really, <coughs> children don't need designation at all. And so, therefore, you cannot learn from the designation of children that's without their knowledge that I can designate a Korban Pesach for others also without their knowledge. This designation uh, for the children is only customary. And how do we know that? Umimai. Midditanan, we have a Mishnah in Pesachim about this. A father is going is in Jerusalem first, and he has a Korban Pesach, and he tells his sons, Hey, listen, I want you all to come quickly to Jerusalem. Whoever gets here first, uh, I am making the uh, doing Shechitan Korban Pesach for you. So that'll encourage them all to come quickly because whoever comes there first gets their, gets their share in the Father's Korban Pesach. And uh, when, if he does that, it's like a race, right? They're all racing. The first one to have his head and most of his body in the entrance of the gate of Jerusalem, he gets to, he merits his portion in that Korban Pesach. So he's counted in it. 
And, by the way, he also uh, merits his brothers with him. Right, he, on behalf of his brothers, he also um, um, he also gets uh, he also acquires the their portion uh, for them, so that everybody is included. Now, how does this work? If selabait is a deoraita rule uh, that a father has to make sure to include all of his sons, um, now at this point the the lamb is already he'd already did shechita on the lamb, so you, now you have this meat here, and so it's already slaughtered, and yet someone can uh, acquire it on behalf of his brothers that doesn't make sense um for him even for himself you have to say somehow it works retroactively the father did shechita and he's like okay whoever comes here first he can come and share this meat uh, so i guess okay if he said that maybe you'll say retroactively that first son will have a share in it but the other ones were not included in the father's stipulation and yet the mishnah says it's okay they can also come and they can eat the carbon pesach and join in with their fathers uh, we're assuming these are minor sons. Uh, so what you see from here is that is actually was not a technical necessity for the father to include them. Um, rather, why is he saying this? The father only said, you know, last one in is a egg. First one that comes can be part of my korban. Really, they're all part of the korban. He just had, he just could have them in mind. He doesn't have to do any. They don't have to do anything. Um, and we have a Baraita that supports this. Another story that uh, one time of someone made a Korban Pesach and his daughters came first and the sons came later. And we, uh, we said about them that the daughters were more zealous and motivated and the sons who have a greater obligation, were lazy, and they didn't even care about it. Um, so what you see from here is that we do not say that only the daughters are included and the sons are not included. Um, it, it doesn't matter. We're just calling them lazy, but they are included, even though they came late. Uh, so the point is that when one is making a Korban Pesach for his minor children, he does not actually have to designate them. We have a custom that, okay, you should think of them, designate them, but you don't have to. Since you don't actually have to, we're certainly not going to generalize from those sons to all, any other case that I can make Korban Pesach for you, even without you signing up to my group. Um, and that's why we don't make this generalization either. So Rabbi Yochanan did have one generalization that he made, but the next two that we tried out are no good. All right, and now we get to the next part of the Mishnah, which says, um, Let's call, let's say, um, A and B. Um, B has some produce that needs Tirumah and Maaser taken. A is going to do it on behalf of B, right? B is away on a trip. And uh, he wants, as soon as he comes home from the trip, maybe Friday afternoon, right before Shabbat, he wants to be able to eat it. So he calls A, his neighbor, and says, can you take Tirumah and Ma'asir from my produce? And A does him a favor and does that. All right, that is okay, the, even if uh, there is a vow. And B, uh, a, either one, A said, I'm not going to give you any benefit, right? I make a vow, no benefit to you. Even if A is not allowed to, to give B any benefit, nevertheless, he can do, go and do Tirumah Ma'asir on his behalf. All right, so that's the Mishnah. We're going to introduce a couple of questions that are related to this. They're related in that we're going to cite our Mishnah as an attempt to answer this question. So here's the question. If uh, A wants to take Tiruma from his own produce, 
uh, on behalf of B, uh, is uh, does he need his, uh, his knowledge or not? In other words, B has a lot of produce. What we were talking about before is that A goes to B's field and takes some of B's produce, um, separates some of B's produce for B himself. But now we're talking about a different case where B has a whole bunch of produce that, need, that is, uh, is tevel. A will go to his own grain and say, A, my grain here, I'm going to separate as teruma and ma'aser, on be, and this will be the Tadamama said for B's grain. Okay. In that case, um, do we need the consent of B? Or since A is actually using his own property, maybe he can do that with even without consent. Me uh, Amdina, and here's the two sides. Kevan lo Um you could say that this is a benefit for B, and there's a general rule that Zakin Ladam Shelobefanav. if uh, A would find a watch in the middle of the street and say, oh, you know what, B would like this, he can pick it up and it will belong to B, it will be his property, even, if, even though B does not know about it and doesn't, um, doesn't say he agrees because we assume if something is absolute benefit, then that, could, that can create a, a legal transaction even without B's knowledge. So you say the same thing here, B was going to be happy, he has no loss, all gain, his, all his uh, produce is already uh, separated to the mama said, and he didn't have to give anything because A gave of his own. That's one side, makes sense. Or do you say, it's, it's his mitzvah, it's B's mitzvah, and B is looking forward to the opportunity to do this wonderful mitzvah and give to the man ma'aser. He comes home and says, oh, I did the mitzvah for you already. What do you mean I wanted to do it? It's like if I would, you know, you build a new house, and I go and I put a mezuzah on your door. Right? So you say, well, I'm doing you a favor. But no, you, you would say, wait a second, I'm looking forward. This is a milestone. I want to put a mezuzah on my door. And this, uh, therefore, I, I did not ask you to do it. I did not want you to do it. And so it's no good. That's the two sides of the question. Let's try to answer it. Tashema, Torem et Tirumotav et Maserotav le Dato. Our Mishnah says that A can give Tiruman Maser um, for B with the knowledge of B. Now, Bimayaskinan, who exactly, there's a lot of pronouns here, uh, whose grain is it and whose knowledge is it? Ilema mean Baal HaKiri, Al Shel Baal HaKiri, Todeman. If we say we're talking about B's grain and we're separating B's grain, right? Uh, we, we, so it's his, his own grain is being separated from itself in order to take the Turumama said. And whose knowledge would it need? If we say it's to the knowledge of the agent, meaning A, then who made him a shaliach? So this B has grain, and A, based on A's own knowledge, not based on B's knowledge, B did not designate him, just goes there and separates it. Well, no one made him a shaliach, so how could he do that? So that can't be the situation. It must be, rather, that it's B's grain that's being separated from itself with B's knowledge. That would mean B asked A to be a messenger, do me a favor, and take this grain for me. But that can't be it either. Because in that case, A is doing B a favor, and that's prohibited because we're talking about Amrishnah, where there is a vow that A cannot give any benefit to B. And if B explicitly asked A, can you do this for me, then that obviously is a favor, and that will be prohibited by a vow. So all that is not possible. Rather, it must be that A is separating from his own grain, 
um, and using that grain to designate us to the Mama Aser for the grain of B. Oh, so now we're good because now this is the same as the as the case uh, that we were just trying to argue, we're just try, uh, trying to solve. And whose knowledge is it now? It can't be with B's knowledge because if B explicitly asked A to do it, then A is doing him a favor and that's not allowed because it's a vow. Rather, A is doing it based on A's own knowledge. Um, he says, I decide I want to do this. I'm willing to give up some of my own grain uh, as to as Turumama said for B. Uh, and there you go. We answered the question. Uh, a can decide on his own to uh, take from his own grain and separate B's grain. Good. Now, if you would say that it's necessary for B to know about it in order for it to be okay, well, then that would be a problem because B cannot designate A because that would be a favor. Rather, it must be that um, there is no, A does not require the knowledge of B to do this. And so, right, again, we answer the question. A can take from his own grain without knowledge of B, without a B designating A as a shaliach, and take his grain because zakin ladam This is a benefit. That's the side we go on, and we do not say, "Oh, it's his mitzvah." No, the guy will be happy that this mitzvah was already done for him. All right, so it seems that we can answer this question based on our mishnah. It's true we had to um, uh, 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 give a. A questionable interpretation of Mishnah that it's A's uh, uh, produce that he's using for B, and you could question that logic there. But if we accept that logic, then it would answer the question. But in the end, we answer no, not necessarily. Leola Michel Bal Hakiri Al Bal Hakiri. In fact, uh, that is what we we say. We read the Mishnah according to its Peshat that this is the uh, grain of B that's being separated for B. Not A is not using his own grain. And that now we had a question. Wait a second. Whose knowledge? It has to be with B's knowledge because otherwise. Um, a can't just go to someone else's field and do it uh, for do it for him. Who made him a shaliach? So we have an answer. Rava said in a different context that if B says anyone who wants to come take Tirumah for on my behalf can come and do it, and so we'll apply the same thing here. That B did not say. Um, uh, you, uh, A, come and do it for me, because then he's doing him a favor, and that violates the vow that he can't have any benefit. But if he makes a general announcement, anyone who wants to can come and take to the ma of, of, of my grain, from my, from my grain, with my grain, they can come and do it since it was a general announcement. So then A that comes and do it is not giving him a specific uh, benefit, not doing him a favor specifically because he didn't ask him. Yet uh, B did, it's sufficient that because B said anyone who wants to do it can come and do it. And so therefore, um, our Mishnah is talking about uh, a case of uh, B's own grain um, and not A using his grain for B and therefore it's not relevant to this question. So we don't have an answer. Okay, and now we're going to ask yet another question, and this also is relevant because we're going to bring in our Mishnah to try to answer it. If, once again, A takes from his own grain and says, this will be to the Marma Ser, uh, for B's grain. So now B can come home and eat all of his grain because 
A was nice enough to take that grain. Now the question here is, um, who gets the be discretionary benefit, right? That Teruma is going to go to a Kohen, the Maser will go to a Levi. Who gets to decide which Kohen and Levi they give it to? Now they can't sell it to a Kohen and Levi because these are, these are Matanot, he has to give it to them. But nevertheless, whoever decides which Kohen to give it to, then the Kohen is going to say thank you and um, owe you a debt of gratitude and so this is um you know a would a would like to have that decision after all he's the one that that that, that uh, separated it or does it go to b here's the two sides on the one hand do we say if not for the produce of a who is separating his own produce um, would B's produce be fixed, be properly tithed? It wouldn't. So A could say, this is my produce that I separated to give them, so I should decide. Or B can say, if not for my pile of produce that needs Teruma Maser, you would not, yours would not be Teruma. You can't just take anything and say, this is Teruma, right? You have to separate it on behalf of some table. And so I, B could say, I gave you the opportunity to, um, uh, to, to give Teruma Maser because of my produce. That's what, that's what generated the possibility. Uh, so that's the two sides of the argument. Uh, so this was a question of Rabbi Mia asked Rabbi Zera. Rabbi Zera is going to answer. Uh, Pasuk says, oh, you shall tithe all of your produce. And a few Pesukim later, it says, Venatata, and you should give. We learn from here that the owner of the produce, that B, he is the one that has the right to decide to give the Tirumama to whoever he wants. So there you go. He, um, Rabbi Zera learned, uh, solved this from a Pasuk that B, because it's his produce, even though A came and separated from A, A's own, uh, uh, produce, nevertheless B can come and say, oh, this, but I'm, I'm the original, I'm the original produce that required, uh, Tirumama said to be taken from it. Therefore, okay, give me that, and I decide uh, which Kohen and, uh, and Levi to give it to. All right, so it seems that we have an answer, but Rabbi Mia is not happy with, with Rabbi Zerah's answer, and he challenges it. He, the challenge is from our Mishnah. That's why we brought this whole question here. Uh, it says, someone, A, if A bring, takes Tirumah and Maaser for B, he can do it. He has to do it um, with his knowledge, even though there's a vow uh, that A cannot give any benefit to B. Now, if the benefit goes to the owner of the original produce, that is B, then isn't A giving benefit to B? Because now A, by taking to Roman Maser, um, he is now giving B the possibility of deciding, I'm, I'm going to take your produce and give it to whoever I want, that is definitely a benefit and would violate the vow. So it can't be that case. Rather, it must be that the benefit uh, to decide who gets it is A's, right? If A takes of his own, for B, A can decide. And that's the only way that this would be possible without violating the vow. Amri, law, so that seems to be a good proof for A, but then we reject this also, not necessarily, they said. La, Michel Bal Hakirish, Al Shel Bal Hakiri. No, our Mishnah is talking about where um, the produce of B is taken uh, for B, right? It's not A's produce. Udato de Bal Hakiri, Beomer, Kolhadosel, Litrom, Yabobitrom, and as we said before, 
um, it's f with the knowledge of B. And it's not that B asked A specifically, do me a favor and come and take Terumama said from my grain for my grain, because then he'd be doing him a specific favor that would violate the vow. But rather where B said, hey, announcement, general announcement, anyone who wants to come and do Teruma on my behalf can. In that case, when A comes and does it, that's not called a specific favor for him and therefore doesn't violate the vow. And so this case is not the same as our case. Once again, our Mishnah is when B's own produce is separated uh, as Tudumama said, and therefore it's not the same as the question, which was when A pro uses his own produce. All right, so our Mishnah, once again, is not helpful to answer the question, but this time we do have an answer. Tashema damar Rabbi Abu Amar Rabbi Yochanan hamakdish mosif chomesh umitkaper oset temura veatorem mishelo al sheno shelo tovatanaa shelo. The answer to our question is the last phrase, but we learn another a couple of, a couple of other halachot on the way. That if um, let's say uh, B <coughs> needs a korban to be designated, and A comes and does the designation on B's behalf, right? B is tied up, can't do it. A says, okay, I'm going to, this, this animal here is going to be a korban for B. If uh, that animal should then get a blemish, so at the, um, the kedushav, it has to be redeemed. Uh, whenever it's redeemed, you have to add a fifth of its value in the redemption. So in that case, A, the one who does the, the, who consecrated the animal, he will have to pay that extra fifth. That's part of this part of the deal because he's the one that consecrated it. On the other hand, um, the mit kaper, that is B, can is the one that can effectuate a timura. Timura is a law that if I want, to, if I designate one animal and then change my mind and the one to designate a second animal, both the first animal and the second animal are both Kodesh. Um, and so uh, B is the B is the one. Even if A consecrated the animal, B is the only one that can um, make uh, that can effectuate a law of timura. And lastly, for us, matorem bishelo sheno shelo. If A does uh, takes to maser on behalf of B, then who gets the benefit? Tovatana shelo. A gets the benefit of deciding to give the tiruma for the uh, tiruma or maser to whatever kohen A wants, since it is in fact his own produce that he took and used to free up the produce of B. And so that's an explicit answer to the question. And although we, the our Mishnah was uh, not an end usable, we're glad that they tried to bring it from our Mishnah because that way we got to ask these other interesting questions. And while the first question above we didn't have an answer to. This one, Rabbi Yochanan, did give a clear uh, answer to. Baruch Adonai Leolam. Amen v'amen.